Coming up on This Week in Games, the Olympics backtrack on esports. Tencent uses real identities, and Riot digs a hole just a little deeper. Coming up This Week in Games. Weekend Games. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and we have a jam-packed week's worth of news after the barren desert that was last week. So let's get started. The Olympics say no to esports. So the president of the International Olympic Committee says there is little hope for esports to ever be in the Olympics. Here are some quotes. Quote, we cannot have in the Olympic program a game which is promoting violence or discrimination. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So Thomas Bach, who's the president and gold medalist in Team Fencing, is quite the contradiction since fencing itself is a sport based off war and violence. But he has a response just for that. Another quote, of course every combat sport has its origins in real fight among people, but sport is civilized expression about this. (laughs) If you have e-games where it's about killing someone, this cannot be brought into line with our Olympic values. And let's talk about those Olympic values. So the real story as I see it, the IOC is this disgusting, money-grabbing pile of crap that doesn't pay anyone anything, bankrupts countries, and pockets billions of dollars in the process. I mean, just think about the endless amount of athletes that don't get a single dime from the IOC. So if the IOC wanted esports in the Olympics, they would have to get publishers to agree to hand all that IP rights off to the IOC and have the publishers agree to not get paid for anything because the IOC ain't going to pay anyone for anything. So that would be Riot, Blau, Riot, I said Blau, Riot, Blizzard, Valve, Epic. They probably wouldn't agree to this. Um, and they, I'm pretty sure they had a previous meeting with the IOC. And so it looks like the IOC is pretty much just saving face by 180 their stance on esports. So I know there was a previous meeting with esports and uh esports leagues and people in the scene as well as publishers with the IOC and then all of a sudden the statement comes out pretty much smells of the IOC saving face because they probably went to these publishers and were like we're going to own everything about your game and the publishers like what who cares about the Olympics (laughs) oh anyways uh looks like esports uh street fighter gold medal won't be mine anytime soon (laughs) Next up, Tencent announces they'll make good on their Honor of Kings promise and limit playtime for minors. So, Tencent will require all Honor of Kings players to verify identities against the Chinese police database. Then, they will limit underage players' playtime. Apparently, they promised this a while back. So, for those who don't know, uh, Honor of Kings is the biggest mobile game in China. It's a dumbed-down version of League of Legends on the phone. But I guess it plays pretty well. You can download it in the North America. It's under a different name, but just search for it online. And I'm pretty sure Tencent did this solely to get back in the good graces of the Communist Party and pray that they let them release PUBG in China. I mean, why would you all of a sudden... You know Tencent can make this happen at any time, but now all of a sudden when they're struggling to get games passed by this like media you know, like agency within China... Now they're making good on all their Communist Party promises, so keep it up, Tencent. I believe in you. I think you can do it. 
And another kind of embarrassing news for Riot, two Riot employees were fired for violating their social media policy amidst defending a female and non-binary only panel at PAX. So, for those who don't know, if you're listening to this, PAX stands for Penny Arcade Expo. Um, They're some of the biggest kind of, they're a mishmash of like fans, gamers, developers, and kind of personalities in the game industry it's more of a gaming pop culture convention than your traditional gdc or e3 and so on so riot was accused of having a toxic work culture i didn't cover it um i didn't really i wanted to focus more on business and there wasn't really like business side effects of this it was more like former and current employees said riot was anything but inclusive and Riot was very toxic work culture, and they definitely didn't promote women, didn't hire women in leadership uh, positions, and so on and so on. You can read all the quotes and stuff from that on like ton of websites. So, in response to this, Riot decided to hold a PAX panel to help women and non-binary people enter the game industry, and it had to do with things like uh, resume building, looking over your resume interview tips, so on and so on. So this panel, like anything to support women, got slammed over social media by mouth breathers. Those are the people that breathe with their mouth and suck in all the oxygen and then turn it into carbon dioxide, but through that process, fail to process anything with their brain. So the mouth breathers slammed this over social media because it it gives them a platform too. (laughs) So two Riot employees... Those are system designer Daniel Clean and communications associate Matthias Lehman decided to engage the social media storm and defend the PAX panel, and that is when Riot fired both of them for talking to fans on social media. And there are more details, and that's kind of the main gist of the story. So the two takeaways. First, if your company has a social media policy, you have to follow it. I'm sorry, but if you list yourself as an employee of Riot, if you say, I'm... Riot System Designer, blah, 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 on Twitter, and then you start engaging with fans that are outraged, you're just vulnerable to being fired. You know, I'm not saying right or wrong. That's just, you're just going to have to accept that. Second, Riot firing two men trying to defend an inclusivity panel at PAX. This is literally the exact toxic behavior that Riot is accused of doing which, in my opinion, pretty much answers any lingering questions as to the legitimacy of those claims by former and current employees that Riot has a toxic work culture. And with all the bad press lately, Riot seems to be determined to drive itself as fast as possible to irrelevancy, and I couldn't encourage them to keep it up more. Good job, Riot. I'm pretty proud of you guys. Next, we have Unity and Google unveil OpenMatch. A new matchmaking platform. So the press blob is OpenMatch is a scalable, reusable matchmaking technology that can be integrated across different types of projects and then customized for each project. So OpenMatch is both open source and game engine agnostic. That's very cool. Um, I think the source code's already up on GitHub if you want to check it out. And I'll just say this is a really cool offering ever since Unity kind of commoditized game engines and multi-platform development. The hardest parts of game development have been slowly being commoditized. I haven't used this yet, but if it's as easy as they make it sound, like, I'm all for it. I hear, like, I remember I was reading um, the developers of Skullgirls detail, like, how 
mind-numbingly hard it was to get matchmaking on PlayStation Network working. <laughs> and, like, if this could just solve all those problems, uh, kind of like Unity solved 3D game development difficulties, you know, amazing. And the last kind of uh, news news of the week, Overwolf and Intel launch a $7 million mod fund. Overwolf is an online marketplace for mods and services that enhance games like League of Legends, Dota 2, Fortnite, blah, blah, blah. So it's things like chat platforms, social media integration, and so on that are meant to run alongside the game, but maybe in the background, so like Discord. Intel gave them $7 million. I don't know what the hell Intel gets out of this. I mean, background services, mods for games isn't exactly a business opportunity at the moment. And if one of these takes off, you know, it'll probably get crushed. And people will like to quote Discord, but let's face it, Discord is an anomaly. And yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Intel's giving money to the game industry. Can't complain too much. So let's get to the business news. There is quite a bit of business news this week. First up, Caffeine raises $100 million from 21st Century Fox. So this is a wild story. The highest profile non-tech jack, non-tech giant-backed Twitch competitor just got a huge influx of cash. So not counting YouTube gaming or whatever Facebook gaming is called or whatever Microsoft gaming is called and Amazon has Twitch. Caffeine's pretty much the biggest non-tech giant Twitch competitor. And Fox and Caffeine will focus on creating exclusive esports, games, sports, and live entertainment content for the company's broadcasting platform. I think this is an interesting take to expand live Fox broadcasts, which can include sports or episodes from, you know, whatever, like Fox media stations. And although it looks like, you know, if you read the headlines and the stories, Fox Inc. the deal with the guys to get its foot into esports space, it would be smart for Caffeine to really try to distance themselves from competing with Twitch and esports unless they sign top-tier exclusivities like Overwatch or Fortnite. Really, like, if Caffeine offers NFL games live, that's huge. That's a reason to go to Caffeine, you know. If Fox, whatever, shows, like, cut-up, you know, corporatized esports coverage that that doesn't really do anything for anyone i saw what was it it was overwatch league on espn plus you know when like what what does that do for anyone you know but i think it's better for caffeine than fox so good job caffeine this is a big one so pro abyss the developers of black desert online are set to acquire ccp games those are the publisher and developers of eve online so EVE players are throwing their predictable fit, and this was out of the blue in my perspective, or I don't really follow this scene that much anymore, but, um, so EVE is, like, one of the longest-running, still-played MMORPGs. It sets, takes place in space, most spaceships. It's famous for having, like, battles that have, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars of damages, where all these, like, clans make super clans and then fight each other in space black desert online is pretty much the latest mmo to actually sustain and grow users and like i don't know how old it is i know in north america it was released maybe 2015 or 2016 so it's not new but it's like for mmos you know, I mean, there's not that many coming out that are high quality, so it's it's pretty new <laughs> in that space. 
I thought Eve made plenty of money for CCB games, but who knows what the books really said, you know? At the end of the day, you don't really know what what they make and what they take home from what they make. And Black Desert Online was recently re-released in a remastered version, and it's pretty much as strong as other. So, do we have a new MMO Kingpin? I think so. Next up, GameStop announces Q2 earnings. So, I'll just go over this because this is like a, yeah, no shit. But, uh, so revenue's down 2.4%. They made $1.65 billion with net loss of $24.9 million. That's rough. That's a lot of net loss. So GameStop is becoming pretty much the epitome of slow death in the video game retail. And there are almost no wins in the earning reports. Like, I went through it, but, like, nothing's doing well in this company. And they're, from the rumors are, they're desperately looking for a buyer to take, buyer to take over. But, I mean, really, who's going to? Who's going to buy GameStop, you know? I think their best bet, who do they buy? They buy Congregate, or they bought some, like, small-time game publisher. I think that's their best bet, is, like, some kind somehow pivot into game publishing and also, like, game merchandise making. Like, they need to make game merchandise themselves. That would be interesting. I don't know. Okay, another weird story. L.A.-based Nantworks... It's the stupidest name ever. Nantworks announces investment in Daybreak Game Company. So, this gets weird. Nantworks is a Culver City-based company run by the owner of the LA Times, Dr. Patrick Soon Xiong. Daybreak Games is formerly known as SEO, Sony Online Entertainment, and known as H1C1 EverQuest. Recently, it was well known for being involved in some kind of money laundering investigation by the Treasury Department because of Russian investments. And I covered that a while ago. You can find the episode. It was a crazy, crazy story with lots of, you know, shell companies and parent companies. But basically, like, it looks like possibly large amounts of, like, terrorist money coming out of Russia was run through Daybit Games. Now, the real meat of the deal involves Nant G Mobile, Nant Nantworks Mobile Game Studio. These names are terrible. I am sorry, guys. Developing and publishing mobile versions of both H1Z1 and EverQuest. Now, besides the terrible names and more eye-rolling, um, the more eye-rolling in the form of this deal comes from eSports aspirations because they want to make H1Z1 Battle Royale. Please don't bother. Fortnite and PUBG have yet to figure out how to turn Battle Royale really into captivating esports, and you're not going to figure it out before them. And frankly, PUBG can't even compete with Fortnite at this point. So H1Z1, even though it was kind of the original Battle Royale game, it's old news, and it's not really in the zeitgeist of the community. And yeah, I don't know. This weird, you know, mobile EverQuest could be fun, though. <laughs> All right, next up, Roblox raises an astounding, astounding, that's not even a word, Roblox, Roblox raises an astounding $150 million. So what is that money going to be for? To enter China. So the Series F funding led by Greylock Partners and Tiger Global, one is a VC and one is a head fund. Roblox is still making money in this post-Minecraft-dominated world, and I'm honestly shocked they're around. Now, they claim year-over-year growth every year. They claim, you know, they're paying money out to developers who develop, like, their mini-games within their games, and they claim all this stuff. I still can't believe they're around. Like, why isn't everyone just playing Minecraft? 
but they're batshit crazy if they think they're entering China. I think if anyone's listening to this over the last few months, you know, you know no foreign game company is entering China, even if Tencent's holding your hand and walking you through the gate. So uh, $150 million, I mean, does this VC and hedge fund even do their research? They should listen to this week in games. <laughs> All right, next up, Superdata is acquired by Nielsen. Nielsen is famous for their estimations of over-the-air and cable television viewership numbers and acquires the big game industry data firm Superdata. So Superdata provides a lot of, you know, a wide range of crap, but was almost exclusively acquired for its esports so that Nielsen has something to sell in the video game realm. And it's pretty much with modern-day technology, old media is less relevant, Nielsen's less relevant, you know. Apple isn't Apple TV isn't sharing with Nelson, you know, their viewership numbers. No, neither is Roku, neither is Netflix, and so on and so on. So Nelson's less and less relevant. So they're trying to get it into this space, and honestly, it's smarter them to just buy it because if anything, you know, I've yet to see a story where old media tried to do something themselves that's new. So good on them for just you know realizing the position they're in and just buying someone. So, eh. I don't know. Kind of sucks. Super data's gone to Nelson because you know, you know it'll probably be mismanaged. And speaking of mismanaged, THQ Nordic acquires the IP rights to Kingdom Amalur. So I don't. Gosh, THQ Nordic continues this mission to acquire all these valueless IPs, and <laughs> their next kind of. Uh, their next target was the famous cautionary tale how not to run a game studio. And they've added that to their stable. So I won't go into it. Kingdoms of Omar was started by a former baseball player in Rhode Island with the giant tax break. And there's endless, I think there might even be a book about it. It's a really great um, story if you guys want to see a cautionary tale of basically how to light money on fire. Um, I'm still waiting for this master business plan. Like, how is THQ Nordic, what are they doing with all these forgotten IPs? Like, every week, every other week, I'm announcing some more crap that they buy. This time it was just the IP. They don't even get, like, anything else. It's weird. It's weird. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're going to make Super Smash Brothers with, like, all the games you didn't play, but you kind of know by name. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well. Next up, Robot Cash raises, and is Cash, like cache not cash like cash money robot cash raises three million dollars from millennium blockchain so millennium blockchain is going to receive a bunch of useless crypto tokens and a ton of control of robot cash in return covered this before robot cash is a new online game marketplace that promises that it will use blockchain technology to allow secondhand sales of digital games and promises better revenue share for developer and publisher $3 million is a lot to waste on something that has zero execution. But, uh, you know, they said blockchain a bunch of times, so kind of have to give them the money. You know, that's how it works. <laughs> New York? I don't know. I'm tired, guys. Like, what? What? why the hell are people giving these companies money? Like, you have zero execution. You don't have a marketplace up right now. Ugh, whatever. All right, let's stay positive. Never mind, we can't stay positive because our last news of the day is bad news. So, Carbine Studios, the developers of the MMO Wildstar, shuts down. So, MMO developers Carbine Studios failed to get publisher NCSoft, Korean 
publisher of MMOs behind any of their new development projects and instead shuts down. Carvine Studios was founded in 2005 by former World of Warcraft developers. It was purchased in 2007 by NCSoft and announced Wildstar in 2011. Now, that's when things started getting rocky because Wildstar wasn't released until 2014, which is a while after. And really, Wildstar really never took off, and they didn't have anything else in the pipeline that was approved by NCSoft. I heard or I read that they had a bunch of... Uh, projects that they offered or presented, but uh, NCSoft didn't bite, and it's probably not a surprise that the development studio shuts down when you work at these places, you know. I, I'd like to hope that you can see the writing on the wall. So good luck to anyone who's there, and there's a number of game studios in the OC and in LA, so hopefully you'll be okay. That's it for this week. Join me next week on This Week in Games.